We've been asked to separate our spiritual beliefs from our work or even public lives. For those on a spiritual journey, it becomes increasingly challenging as we seek a deeper meaning. Together, we'll have the tough conversations that help us uncover our truth. How are you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Modern Spirituality Podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Timish, founder of The Brandmaker. David, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, what a pleasure. And uh, anytime I get talked about Jesus and to hear what you're doing with that and That's right. you know, uh, an interesting, you know, uh, I guess, platform to be talking to the founder of a marketing company, but it's very much uh, faith-based for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had such a long career now, I guess, for, for the age that I am. I've been doing it for about 10 years, doing branding and marketing. And during the pandemic, I just really wanted to expand that into where my heart is, which is Christ. Um, and how I can pull that into everything that I'm doing. So pulling my actual skills and experience that I've had doing branding, doing marketing, doing copywriting, and use that in a way that also integrates my faith into what I'm doing. The best way to do that is starting your own business, yeah, making absolutely. it into what you want. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about just you as a person, because originally you're from Milwaukee, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, you grew up in the church, essentially. Yeah, I grew up in the church my whole life. Um, went to go into Elmbrook Church, which is in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Grew up there. So my parents went there before I was even born. Grew up attending that church for a long time, um, which really just molded my faith. I mean, I came to Christ, uh, I think it was like four, maybe, you know, on a on a car ride to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Told my parents, I was like, hey, I want to accept Jesus in my heart. My dad pulls over the car. He's like, all right, let's do it. Let's say the prayer. Say the prayer and invite Jesus into my heart, um, you know. And uh, for a four-year-old, I was like, this is a really big deal. It's like a moment in my life, you know, especially at that age. And I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese, and uh, I beat the first level of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game with one token. Never done that before. That was like a big deal. One of my friends was there, ended up hanging out with him, totally unplanned. And I was like, Jesus is celebrating this with me. Like these things that as a four-year-old are like, this is the coolest thing. Um, and it's just memorable even today. I mean, that was like 30 years ago, and I still remember. So. Well, and I think God does use those things to show you what, you know, and he meets you where you're at, right? Yeah, that absolutely. If it had an impact, he knew it was going to have an impact. And yeah. look, you're still talking about it to this day. Yeah, no. absolutely. So now that was at four years old, but I can tell you, you know, I... I I, I think I felt that way and had those moments, but mm-hmm. you know, you like the prodigal son for me, lose lose uh, lose your way a little bit, and you know, it takes um, a lot of mistakes to come back to that. But it seems like you were always on that path. Yeah, I mean, depends how you define you know the prodigal son moment. I mean, I think dramatically, I always have these visions of these like I was in you know a ditch, addicted to drugs, moments from death. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's varying degrees of what that looks like. Um, I mean, going off to college, I got baptized right before I went off to college. And then uh, freshman year was kind of uh, my time to make my faith my own. So I went to a small college, Knox College, in the middle of Galesburg, Illinois, and was there. Um, and within a few months, was just really didn't have a lot going on, like socially. Uh, very small school, uh, like a thousand kids at the school in the middle of nowhere. So I just kind of fell into a drinking scene of like going to frat parties and drinking. Um, You know, unfortunately, nothing really dramatic happened other than that. I just would go to parties, I get drunk and that was it. Didn't, you know, have a lot of hardcore drugs or any kind of drugs. Didn't um, have sex, didn't really do anything other than just go to parties, get drunk, probably make an idiot of myself (laughs) at 18 and then come back home. So 
Um, that was my like mini, I guess, rebellion, my mini uh, uh, prodigal son moment. And I think having that experience at age 18 kind of allowed me to define who do I want to be. And I think I realized like this isn't what I want. Uh, this isn't who I was raised to be. This isn't who I want to be. Um, and even even kind of struggling with some depression at that time, not really realizing it for a little bit, but I was going to bed at like, you know, 11 o'clock, waking up, not getting out of bed for like 12, 13 hours, just sleeping, just realizing like, I think I'm depressed. Like, I'm just not doing well here. Um, and I think God using that moment to drive me to transfer schools, I ended up going to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Hmm. And just getting plugged into a Christian group there. And it made a big impact on me because um, it was me taking my own faith into my own hands. It was no longer my parents' faith or anybody else's. It had to be my own. I'm an adult. I had to make these decisions. Um, and just to transfer, just to go to the, I mean, nobody helped me. I just said, I'm going to take the effort to, to make this change. So I think that owning your faith is so important to anybody's journey, yeah. especially if they grow up in the church and they're like, is this my faith or is this my parents' faith? Um, and everyone has that moment of like, I want to take things to the next level and actually do it for myself. Yeah. And and, and I love how you make the distinction between, you know, the, the journey in your faith and, and, you know, setting, making those decisions on your own, but also identifying the way you were raised. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that playing such a vital role in it. So how, how much of that, I guess, when you look at that in terms of temptation, because many people I meet, they come from great families, you know, have yeah. great morals, but... Temptation is something that it's, it's a very real thing, and, and there's a lot going on, especially in college. How are you able to overcome some of those things that are a lot more difficult for others? Yeah, I mean, I've had conversations like this before where, you know, there are, like my parents' friends or, or whoever, where um, they have kids and they are raised very similarly. I mean, no one's identically raised, but like, you know, raised in the church, good morals, um, great parents involved, loving, caring, and then they go down a very different path. Um, there's people who maybe don't have the best of parents or the best of upbringing and they also make good decisions. And, um, you know, I think it's a combination of things. Like it's not only, I think good parents and good upbringing, good, uh, foundations important, but there's just the power of the Holy Spirit working within you, which you can't always put the words and you don't always know what that's going to look like and how that's going to actually play out in your life. Um, God is sovereign and different things kind of like happen. Um, because, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, why did I make the decisions I made? Why did I know that's not what I wanted? I, I have to believe that the Holy Spirit was living inside of me and convicting me of those things. Of During this few month of period of time of me just partying, I was like, I hate this. I hate me. I don't want to do these things. And, and, it, and it was always for me, like, I never... I knew God was always there. Like, even during that time, like, I was like... I kind of, like, almost had this visual in my mind of, like, God standing right here and just watching me and I'm just like doing one of these, like pretending like he's not, he's just, you know, covering up my right eye and just pretending like I'm by myself. But I always knew he was there like watching me. And, um, I think that acknowledgement of the presence of God in your life and feeling that just helps to keep you centered and focused. Um, well, it sounds like you have the fear of God too. So yeah, it's the beginning of all faith, right? Amen. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think, that's probably where it was, was the sense of I never said no, because I think it would be easier to say like, well, God doesn't even exist, or he doesn't care about me, or he's too busy, whatever, whatever yeah. I want to make. And then I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Um, but I think when you have an opportunity to actually explore that for yourself, you realize, no, like if I'm being honest, like I know God's there. 
um, you know, I have, you know, eternity in my heart. I have this acknowledgement that God's always there. And, and really never in my life have I ever just been like, God doesn't exist. Um, I've, I've always known God is there. He cares. He is involved. Um, he loves me like that is never changed. I don't know why that is, but that has been solidly, and I think very well demonstrated, I think is the difference where not only were my parents telling me these things, but they were living it and I saw it. And I think that is so impactful for a young kid to be like, I'm seeing my, not, he's not doing it performatively. I just get up at 630 to get ready for school. My dad's in his study on his knees, with his hands in the air. He's praying, he's singing, he's journaling. And I see this every single day. Um, that makes an impact. You're like, this isn't just some fake show. You wouldn't do this. This is real. This is a real, God is real and present in your life. And to see that as a young boy, to see your father live that out is like really impactful. And I think that helped instill in me this reality that God is there. He's present. He's in my life no matter what. And so I can choose to believe or say or can try to trick myself however I want to, but that doesn't change the reality. And so I think that allowed me to never stray too far was that sense of God is present, he is real, and he cares. Because I think some people think God doesn't care or he's punishing me or when things don't go exactly how I want them to go, you know, whatever whatever their experience is. And that's totally, you know, I want to appreciate those experiences because there's very difficult situations that happen that, that lead people to those conclusions. Um, and I think I was blessed to, um, go through some struggles, nothing too, I don't, in my mind, nothing too intense that would just send me over the edge. But I also feel like having that core was so important. It is. And and it's, and it's, and as I hear you say it, right. I'm reminded of all those people that when I've had those conversations with people who struggle to accept God is because they have been through something usually Mm -hmm. pretty terrible in their life and usually something very young. Yeah. Right. And like in cases of molestation or sexual abuse. That's the first question I ask people when they're just like, I don't believe in God. And I was like, what, what happened to you? You know, and just the simple, cause people aren't just like, Oh, nothing happened. I just woke up one day and was like, nah. This doesn't make sense. Nah, I don't believe in God today. Like, yeah. maybe. I mean, I haven't heard that. Maybe that can happen. But I think typically there's a catalyst event. Somebody died. Something happened to you. A really traumatic experience happened. And, and, and it's easier to believe there is no God. I cannot believe if there's a God and he is good and he is actively involved in my life that he would allow this horrible thing to happen to me. Um, and so I think to ask that question, to listen to people, to have give them that chance to share that story, to create a space where you're not judging them for it, and you're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. I haven't experienced that. I wonder how I would have reacted. You know, like yeah. I can say it's easy for me to say, yeah, I've always had my faith, but I didn't go through that thing you just said. You know, I can't imagine how you would feel. Right. Um, and I think sometimes when people are trying to be empathetic, they just be like, oh, yeah, like I understand. Or like, yeah, I've, I've, I, I know what you're going through. Um, and they're saying that to try and, you know, care for them. But I think sometimes those words actually, the person's like, you don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. Unless it, that literally happened to you, the like, word for word as I described, which is probably unlikely, you don't know. So I think for me to say, like, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you've experienced. I can imagine that would be really hard, but that's as far as I can go. Right. No, and, it, and it's tough because some of the, the, the people the, that have had the greatest impact on my life, whether directly mm-hmm. or indirectly, um, have had stories like that and, right. and, and that's how they found their faith is 
and through that and, and and they had similar experiences where you know they they didn't believe in god they hated mm-hmm. god and you know how could god do this how, how do you answer people when you know that and i'd love to hear your opinion on that just but in terms of when bad things happen how come god allows bad things to happen yeah it's a big question, right? isn't it? You're just throwing it at me. I'm, I'm, I'm prepared. Oh, I'm prepared. No. <laughs> no. Put you on the spot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of people have that question, and, and that's definitely something that, first and foremost, I mean, I don't know if any of us, like, have the answers, and I think, for me, there's something comforting in knowing that not only do I not have all the answers, but I don't need to have all the answers, which mm. actually gives me confidence and courage, because if somebody asks me a question, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like... I need to know everything or I can't have a conversation about my faith. Um, or they're like, you know, the response usually isn't like, oh, well, if you don't know, then I guess there's no God if you can't answer every single <laughs> one of my questions. Because usually people are hungry. And if they're genuinely curious, they will they'll want to be on that journey with you and right. actually say, all right, well, let's, I'm like, well, what, what if I, can we, can we talk about this in a couple of weeks? I'd love to like maybe ask somebody else who might know the answer to that. Um, or just like, take some of my own time to like explore that for myself because I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why does, you know, God allow bad things to happen? Um, what I think is interesting too is like, I think the biggest perspective is, is we, ever since the fall, I think we as humans always think that we're God. And I think as a part of that, we also think that we know what's best, not only for ourselves, but for the world and for every single situation we have an opinion on well, this is good, this is bad. I think to some extent, I think God put down our hearts the sense of like, there is a black and white, this is right, this is wrong. So I think that that's some of it. I think other times they're like, we think we know better than God. And it's pretty much always been that way, right? Um, or like confusing I, what good yeah, is, right? Right, what is good. And then to say like, I, if I were God, right. you know, that's kind of, I think, when people say like, why is God? It's like, well, if I was God, I would never allow that girl to have been raped or that guy to have been killed or whatever that thing is. So clearly... That isn't the case. And even though it's just a comedy, I remember finding it interesting to watch the movie with uh, Jim Carrey, Bruce Almighty, where he becomes God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just a comedy. There's not, and he has not theological. But um, he answers yes to all the emails. He's like, oh, I can't answer all these prayers. I'm just going to answer yes. Everyone gets what they want. Um, and everyone was miserable. And the whole world was like falling apart. And so it becomes this thing where we think we know what's best for our lives and we think we know all the answers. And so therefore, when those things don't happen, I remember like I said a prayer, I'm like, you know, thank goodness everything I wanted didn't happen. Yeah. Because I've been like, oh, I want to do this and this. I've heard so many people tell stories of like, I wanted this, I wanted this, I wanted this. And if all that had happened, I would have been miserable. Absolutely. I'm so glad that that was a no, that that was a closed door. And sometimes to a certain extent they're like even though that traumatic thing happened and was really hard and I wouldn't wish it on anyone the fact that it happened to me set me on this path that actually led me to where I am today and I would have never wanted to have gone through what I went through but because I did here I am today um, in this experience so again I'm not going to say to somebody who just went through a traumatic experience why does God let this happen to me well one day it'll be great and you'll be so happy that this happened to you I don't I don't believe that that's something comforting to say. And I think that's those are usually when those people ask those questions is in that moment or something recent. And so saying what like we're doing right now, like having more of like a, a 30,000 foot view, this intellectual or, or philosophical conversation about, or I guess it's really theological about why does God do what he does? Um, I think just loving people in those situations and saying like, I don't know. No, I think, I think like, you're right. I'm sorry, yeah. but I think taking that step back, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? 
Um, none of us are good, I think is like true, right? I think yeah, we all think. Yeah. I, what I thought was so funny is people always say like, if you define like, what's a bad person? I've asked people that. I feel like the answer always kind of dances around the idea that like a bad person is always somebody right below wherever you are. Um, typically, right? It's always like a bad person, someone who did this thing that's below me. So I'm good. Right. So anyone bad is like just below me and down, no matter where they are on the scale that they have in their mind. Um, and that's why I think even in scripture, you look at it and who are the people who were Jesus spoke the most highly of are the people who were like, I'm bad. Yeah. The tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, they had some intellectual, some cultural understanding that like, I am not in a good standing with God. Like people tell me that all the time, and, <laughs> but I also know that to be true. Right. Um, Cause I'm taking advantage of people and I'm doing things that probably are not, are not honoring to God. And those are the people that are ready for God. Cause you have to come to a place where you realize I'm not good. And I think the problem is that people in this world are like, I'm a good person. I'm probably, do you think you're gonna go to heaven? You ask someone, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah. By their works, right? By my works, yeah. loosely. And I think yeah. even just you see all these like cultural shows and be like, who goes to heaven? Like good people go to heaven and yeah. bad people go to hell. And um, we all have this construct in our mind of what constitutes a, you know, like there's this uh, show, The Good Place, where um, I don't know if you're familiar with that show, but uh, it's just basically that idea, that concept of like good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Um, and so I think that's just not theologically accurate uh, from my perspective no, as a believer. Not, and not. Um, One of the things to say too that um, you know our, the way God loves us is is it's very clear that it, it does not always pleasant right that God disciplines those that He loves and mm -hmm. the perfect example is like Jacob and Esau right how He says that God hated Esau but Esau had everything he had right. no troubles but Jacob had a bunch of troubles but God loved them well it's like if God's our Father right He does He's I think you've asked anyone like if there's a father who gave their son everything he asked for. No question, just gave it to him. Spoiled kid. Spoiled kid. Yeah. Did he, your kid did something terrible. He punched some kid. Oh, it's okay. Can we, here's an ice cream. <laughs> Is that a good father or a bad father? I think most people would be like, that's a bad father. Like, if you're not, there's no consequences for wrongdoings. Every request is given. But at the same point, that's what we expect from our Heavenly Father is the sense of, I want every wish, one of my wishes to be fulfilled especially in today's day and age, instant gratification. Hmm. I don't want to wait for it. I want it, and I wanted it yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, God really loved me. He gave me this thing that I wanted because he wants to give me the desires of my heart, right? Um, and I don't want to be, and I'm not, I'm not going to speculate as to when God like punishes people, but to a certain extent, when there's like consequences, I think for sin, I think is really more of an accurate perception. Like when a father says, don't touch that hot stove, and the kid's like, I'm not going to listen to that, and touches the stove and he burns his hand. I think we do that where... Scripture is not this rule book designed to say, I'm going to ruin all your fun and make sure that you you don't enjoy this life. The opposite is true. Yep. That is like these rules are in place to create the healthiest, happiest, most fulfilling life for you if you were to follow it. And people feel like it's restrictive of what they want to do and they go off and do whatever they want to do. And they're like, why am I so miserable? Um, so true. Right? It's so true. Very, very true. Now, I mean, I love the the perspective and, and just the, the path that you lead, right? I can tell how much you love God, and it's a beautiful thing. How how did that turn into wanting to then, you know, uh, offer this in the business world, right? Yeah. Where 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 did that idea come from, and how did you incorporate these thoughts, these beliefs, and and these desires to uh, want to help business owners? Yeah, I mean, um, my identity is in Christ, and 
I think for, if I'm being honest, I think for a long time, I kind of separated that though from business. Like, I'm just like, all right, I'm doing work. And we talk about your faith at work, uh, personal life. Sure. I'll talk to people about it, but at work, I'm not going to really, not going to deny it, but I'm also not going to talk about it a lot. And that was most of my, I think, professional life. And then, um, as I mentioned, when you get faced with a pandemic where I was laid off, I didn't have a job. I was faced with the prospect of I can create something new, something from scratch. It doesn't have to be what I always thought it was going to be. And um, for the first year, I just did a lot of freelance writing, which is my background. Um, I did this coaching program to do branding and marketing, but I didn't do it just for Christians. I did it for anyone. And I was kind of struggling. It wasn't really taking off. I wasn't really feeling settled with it. And I kept feeling this twinge in my heart of like, say it's for Christians, like focus on Christian entrepreneurs. And I was very resistant to that idea for months because I just thought, I don't want to limit my audience. I don't want to offend people. All of these thoughts that I think people have had, you know, this is just me being honest of like, I was very resistant. And despite the fact that in my personal life, I would talk about Christ to people, but in my business life, it's somehow I was separating that. It was, it was, a, there was a disconnect. I talked to um, a friend of mine this woman, I went out and visited her in Pittsburgh, and I asked her. I really trusted her perspective on things. And um, while I was out there, and I, I said this to her, I was like, oh, I'm struggling. I think I want to make it for Christian entrepreneurs, but I just feeling. And she's like, what would you tell one of your clients? I was like, shoot. <laughs> shoot. I would definitely tell them you have to. If you speak to everyone, you're speaking to no one. That's what I would say to them. Um, you have to narrow your audience, know who you're speaking to, know what they care about and do something that you're passionate about. That's what I'd say. And I'm not following my own advice, which is probably common for many people in many different areas of life, right? That, um, the, I try to, I try to do that ever since then. I'm trying to think what advice would I give myself here? Cause I'm usually not following it. Uh, it's easy to give advice. It's hard to take your own advice. But from that mo moment on, I just shifted my business and really saw a lot more success. And I felt more at peace about it. I felt like I was honoring God with it. I took this big leap. I made this big announcement. Um, and I saw people just message me, want to know more. I was able to fill up this group coaching program of, I think, 10 people within a month or two. Because wow. people were drawn to it being like, yes, this is what I've been looking for. I'm a Christian. Before I've known of you, I said, you're a dime a dozen, David, maybe to some extent. Like, oh, branding, marketing, how do I choose? He's one of many. Oh, you're going to focus just for Christians to say, how can we do this in a faith-based, Christ-centered perspective to know? And this is what I said in my, my first pitch is I said, at the end of the day, this group is for you. If you trust the Lord with your business, this group is not for you. If you think you can work as hard as you possibly can, and you'll be successful. This group is not for you. This group is for people who realize they can work as hard as they can, but if God's not at the center of it, it's not going to be successful. I made that very clear. So I was scared to say that because I feel like, as a lot of people are with their business, you can drive people away. I don't want to close the door. If they want to come, they can, you know, I need money. I need clients. I can't be sending people away. But the moment you make a statement like that, this is who it's not for, this is who it is for. It it convicts the people it is for to say, I gotta contact this guy. Like, cause you just said it's not for those people. I know I'm not that person. I know I'm the person he said. But if I said, I'm for anybody who wants to start a business, then you'd be like, Okay, great. It's very, very true. And and I mean it's even from a, a marketer's perspective, I mean it all makes sense, right? How what what are the biggest lessons or takeaways? Um shifting into that where your whole life you've, you've kind of separated the two and now you're very much living in that truth in both your personal and professional life. So mm -hmm. what, what have you noticed from just 
life, work-life balance, you know, all that. Uh, how has that changed for you now that it's all one? Yeah, I mean, I always wanted to find the balance because um, work's important. Mm-hmm. I think there's value in work. Scripture very clearly says that. But I never wanted to get to a place where it was limiting my ability to love people on a personal level or be involved with helping other people um, and having that be a conflict in any way. And so I think creating an opportunity to say, well, when it's your own business, you can set set your own hours. I think that's a little overblown sometimes. Sometimes your job can you're your own worst boss. Like mm-hmm. you, I found that to be true for me where I felt guilty ever taking a day off. I felt bad ever leaving work early. Um, cause there's not a boss to give me permission because I'm my own boss and my own worst boss in a lot of ways. And, uh, my own toughest critic and, uh, can be a perfectionist at times too. So I'm like, all right, work's never done. I could have always done more. I could have done better. It's like this, um, Schindler's list syndrome. Like I could have done more. I could that's never enough. Um, and so I think there's this idea that for me to find the balance was important to uh, treat it like a, uh, I would any other business and treat myself like an employee. Like if I had myself working for me, it's kind of meta, but if I had myself working for me, how would I, would if this employee wanted to have the 3rd of July off and the 4th of July off, would I say, you have to work. And in fact, you're a terrible employee if you, for even asking I, uh, you know, no, I wouldn't, I would, I would be like, oh yeah, you've been working really hard and done some great stuff. Take a couple of days off, take a break. Like you need to rest. But I wasn't allowing myself that same sense of, I'm like, no, I got to work. I got to work mm-hmm. the fourth. So I think that that's just a piece of advice I give clients too, when, especially when they're starting their own business is treat yourself like your own boss, but you're also your own employee. And so, you know, how, if it takes having that meta conversation with yourself about actually asking yourself for permission, it's okay. <laughs> and you need to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. like you said, when when you're working in the business and you're not working on the business, you're not treating mm-hmm. yourself even like as your own client. And right. when, as soon as you put, you know change that perspective, then the ideas come and everything yeah. else, right? It's wearing different hats too, really because is. you have to almost consciously, I remember like, I would actually like almost like do this hat thing where I would take these hats because if you try to be all, you can't be the, you know, the boss, the accountants, the employee, um, the client. I mean, you're kind of like so many different roles. And so you have to kind of focus All right, right now I'm going to work in the business because I have to, because I'm, if it's just you, yeah. you're going to have to do it. Yeah. Someone's got to do the, you know, m- methodical work of getting things done, but then, okay, now I'm going to take two hours to be the CEO for a second and just yeah. think, where do I want this business to be? You know, and schedule out your time about like what specifically, which role am I going to play during this time? Cause I think I struggled for my first year trying to do all roles all at once and just mash it all together into like a, some super being. And it was, it was difficult cause I was trying to think work in the business, on the business, for the business all at the same time. And it did not go well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, for those that are interested, you know, kind of walk me through what people can expect working with you if they're a business owner and and are interested in in the services you provide, but obviously from that um, Christ-centered focus. Yeah, so there's a few different tier levels that I work with people on um, and kind of talk with them. um, And you can schedule uh, an appointment with me if you're ever interested in davidtimishcreative.com. Um, but I have these three different tier levels What I like working with people because some people are just really busy uh, with their lives and they just want to do it for you kind of process where they want to be able to connect with me for short periods of time, um, but primarily just have me just create this brand for me, create my website, create my content, create my marketing strategy. Um, and I can do that. Um, 
probably my least favorite part of it because mm-hmm. it's not a lot of personal contact. But um, I also do coaching too, one-on-one, where I work with people uh, more intensely um, for a couple hours weekly where we get together and I kind of do some of it with you, but also show you how to do it for yourself. It's kind of like a teach to ma- teach a man to fish kind of idea of actually teaching them through it. And then my favorite part is just the group coaching program where um, once a week we get together as a group of 10 to 15, um, depending on you know how many people show up that week. And we go through branding and marketing strategies from a Christ-centered perspective. We open in prayer, we close in prayer. Uh, we ask about what we can be praying for our businesses and personal lives. Um, something you're probably not going to get in a lot of business strategy uh, groups that you may be a part of. Um, praying about your business with other people who are praying for their business and praying for your business, which is powerful to be hearing another entrepreneur praying for your business is pretty cool. Um, and also just practical strategies of um, how are you building your personal brand. Um, I encourage people to use LinkedIn a lot. That's how I've built a lot of my brand and my clients and it's through LinkedIn. But what are you actually doing to... Um, grow your faith through your business, not just focused on building your business, but how's my faith growing through the growth of my business? Uh, Making sure that the goals I set forth for myself um, are consistent, um, are actually ringing true, um, that my my goals are not only being met financially for my business, but also my spiritual goals for growth, because I think um, they go hand in hand, um, because... I think trusting the Lord and letting go is so important to be able to see success and growth in your business. I couldn't agree more. Well, all good stuff, Dave, and I appreciate you, you know, sharing, but also just uh, being a, a breath of fresh air when it comes to being able to express your faith in, in you know, the workforce and professionalism and, you know, just things are changing and it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely.